Well, welcome to the jam. Welcome to the Space Jam, a new legacy. They call me the notorious Stevie. Space Jam, a new legacy is rated PG, and I'll kick this review off with my overall rating on the movie. Let's go out of seven jams. A little pretext. I enjoy raspberry jams the most. Strawberry second, and grape is a solid every now and again. The only jam I probably don't like is jalapeno jam. I give Space Jam a new legacy, one Smucker's grape, one Smucker's strawberry, one store brand raspberry, and I'll top it off with a partially used jar of jalapeno jam from some artisanal brand. That's a variety pack of three and a half to four jams out of seven jams. I can elaborate. So we've got two Smucker's branded jams. You know what to expect with Smucker's. It's your run-of-the-mill, sugarific, best-used-for-the-kids type of jam. One was grape, one was strawberry. Look, we know what to expect with this movie, and for the most part, that's exactly what we got. It's a two-hour-long commercial that is mildly entertaining, especially for the kids. There are enjoyable commercials out there that we all love. The criticism that this movie is bad solely because it's a big advertisement is weak sauce. Then we've got a jar of raspberry jam, my favorite, but it is store brand. You know what? There are some things in this movie that were done better than the first Space Jam. That doesn't necessarily mean I like those things more than the original Space Jam, but the potential is there. The potential for any one of us to say, Ooh, what brand of jam is that? And then you get back the response, I don't know. It was called A New Legacy. And last up, we've got a partially used jar of craft quality jalapeno jam. Don't ask me to explain this one. I just needed another jar of jam to help establish that although I'm getting up close to four out of seven jams, I don't necessarily love the rating. You could interpret it to represent the hypocrisy that although they canceled Pepe Le Pew from this movie, a skunk who has merely had the cops called on him for suspicious activity, they still let in several R-rated characters who have been caught on camera for their crimes against humanity, including the same crimes that Pepe has been suspected of. Or maybe you could interpret the jalapeno jam as that bitter taste that gets left in your mouth from being fed so much bologna in one serving. Or, maybe, you could interpret it as representing all of the adult references that the kids won't get. I don't know, and I don't care how you interpret it. Someone put a jar of partially eaten jalapeno jam in my fridge, and I don't want it. Especially when you consider that I don't know where the jar has been. So, yeah. Three and a half to four jams out of seven. It wasn't a bad movie, and I think kids will like it. But I do think they attempted to cater to the adults a little too much. We didn't need the jalapeno jam. So I am not sure it'll be as much of a nostalgic hit for the current youth as the original Space Jam was for my generation. Also, it's got some of that jalapeno jam in it, and that shit was well made, but we didn't need it. As in, this movie has a better setup, it has better motivations, just overall, it's a better written story than the first. If you've got kids, go right ahead and watch the movie with them. It's one that might be better seen at the theater if you are a family that goes to the theater already. Otherwise, stream it off HBO Max or wait for it to be available. 
There's no rush to go see this immediately. Now, let's talk about the movie. There are no spoilers, really. Even if I went into more detail than I am about to, it's tough to really spoil anything for a movie like this. I am going to go through my notes, mostly in chronological order, so this review will follow my thoughts as I watched the movie. Then I'll go over some more general overall thoughts right at the end. Just some quick things to wrap up non-storyline stuff and a last comparison or two to the original Space Jam. My first note was that I appreciated that they did not put LeBron in a middle-class neighborhood like they did with Jordan. But I couldn't believe how much of an asshole they had LeBron come off as to his kids. I understand what they were going for, and it was what they were going for in setting up, but they really came out strongly with a pretty unlikable LeBron James. As a counterpoint to my personal thoughts, if I try to put my big boy jammies on, I suppose a lot of kids see their parents in some sort of similar authoritarian role. So the target audience may connect better with LeBron as the father figure and thus be able to relate to James' kids in the movie. I actually thought that the kids may be the focus of the movie for a bit, and to a certain extent, as in much more than in the first movie, one of the kids, Dom, does have a fair amount of focus on himself. Then we've got Don Cheadle as our bad man. It is so hot right now to blame everything on the algorithm. These multinational corporations have no control over these algorithms. No responsibility for their actions. It's the mother-effing algorithm's fault. I see you, marketers. I see what you're doing. Fighting everyone to shift the blame off of your overlords. So that is basically the setup for the movie. Then, in a much different way from the first movie, LeBron gets in touch with the Toons, and I really liked that he became a cartoon in Toonland. And I like that they played with him learning the cartoon physics. I actually had wished that they played with that just a little bit more, but I guess they needed an entire hour for the basketball game. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. Once LeBron and Bugs meet up, they have to go to several different Warner Brothers properties, universes, in order to gather up the tunes who have left town and spread out across these various properties. I enjoyed this portion of the movie. I thought it was pretty fun, but I am not too sure how well some of the references will play with the target audience. Like, for instance, references to The Matrix. Then again, I was vaguely aware of some properties, etc. from decades before I was born at a pretty young age, so maybe they chose things that the kids are fairly familiar with these days. At 42 minutes into the movie, I noted that I had yet to outright laugh at anything. That's not to say that nothing silly happened, just that nothing caught me off guard or was so well written slash delivered that I laughed at it. However... And I've forgotten what the heck I'm referencing right now, but here's the note. Yosemite Sam, shoot the ball. Got a laugh out of me. Oh. I do remember it. And I'm going to leave it as a surprise in case you haven't seen the movie prior to listening, so maybe you can get a good laugh out of it too. (laughs) 
My next note after that was apparently once we got to the game, which as I said in this two hour long movie is roughly half of the entire movie. In my Space Jam review, I made note of thinking the 20 to 30 minutes of a basketball game would be too long, but this one took the cake in that battle between the two jams. It is a rather long game of basketball. In a few notes, you'll need this bit of information, so real quick, Don Cheadle, Mr. Algie Rhythm, has kidnapped LeBron's son, Dom, and Dom is actually playing against LeBron in the game. It makes sense in the movie. So, my next note was about the audience at the game. I thought it was sort of clever and funny because the Warner Brothers properties were always cheering regardless of what was actually happening. Like, their actions didn't line up to the game, and they were basically set in these loops of a few character-fitting reactions. It's as if they were GIFs that were all on automatic replay. I say clever because despite the fact that I haven't seen a single reviewer mention this, the game is being played as if it's a like the video game that LeBron's son, Dom, had created. So the audience is supposed to resemble a sports video game's audience. I think specifically the, the audiences in sports games of the older games, where you would just get these cutaway scenes of the crowd going wild no matter what the last play was. And since the games only had like three different reactions programmed in, after playing the game for over a year, those reactions became very silly. So in the movie, it was a very similar experience to playing sports video games while watching the crowd at this basketball game. There are so many characters that you want to watch in the audience instead of the game, so it's really easy to get distracted. I literally had to like snap myself out of it at one moment because I didn't want to watch the movie twice to review it. But I was starting to just scan the crowd and watch the crowd members instead of the basketball game. And, you know, the basketball game that's at the forefront of the movie. The crowd's not the forefront of the movie, obviously. So a bit distracting. And then there's this rap battle, which I found when it occurred to be an odd choice. Not specifically the rap battle, but where it occurs in the movie. It should have been made into the halftime show, or done right when the Toon Squad came out of their halftime break and they were all pumped up. It was pretty cringy, but Tweety Bird's action at the very end of the notorious P.I.G.'s performance made me laugh. I'm almost positive Tweety's actions were a play on a popular meme. Now, I understand that this next critique is going to be like picking out a peanut from the trail mix and saying, this doesn't belong here, but... When LeBron's son changes teams and joins the Toon Squad, Granny brings him a Toon Squad jersey and says she made it, and I quote, Just in case. Excuse me. They didn't pick these jerseys out. They received them when they were digitized by Don Cheadle. No one made these jerseys ahead of time. They could have just shown Granny, like Looney Tunes style, quickly knitting up a jersey for him. Super duper nitpick. I know. But if you think about it, obviously, we're almost at the end of the movie, which they definitely did a better job of than in the original Space Jam, as in they fixed several things at the first movie's last basket in this movie's last basket. And I liked what they did. And then the movie has a little ending scene, which nicely ties up the family storyline that was actually present in this movie. Once again, an improvement from the first movie in that regard, just in regards to, like, storytelling overall, as I think I already stated earlier. 
which leaves us with some parting thoughts and a final comparison or two to the first Space Jam. The actual basketball game felt much more structured and it felt like a fun video gamey basketball game of sorts. If you've ever played Base Wars, which was a great game back in the day, it kind of felt like it could be Base Wars, sorry, which is a baseball game where there's like different factions of alien robots and stuff playing baseball and there's different types of power-ups that you can get combined with a more modernized uh, NBA jam. Which is a stark contrast from what we got in the first movie, which just tossed all aspects of the essence of a basketball game out of the window. A negative, though, is that this game was paced much more slowly, and they definitely didn't need to have that snail-like pace in order to have that structure that I did enjoy. A couple more positives. I really enjoyed the 2D graphics, and I enjoyed LeBron's voice work when he was a cartoon. That was excellent. Unfortunately, that last one will lead us right into a few negatives. The first one being that of LeBron's acting when he wasn't a cartoon. It wasn't so great. I don't know that I'd say that it was drastically worse than Michael Jordan's performance. I do think it was slightly worse, but it was acceptable enough at times. However, there are a fair amount of awkward acting moments, and it's not all from LeBron. The thing is, I think that at least some of it was the fault of the editors, as much as anything. Something felt off many times throughout the movie, and it was more often than not the reaction shots from one cut to another. The timing of them just felt awkward, and sometimes maybe the eye lines weren't adding up with where you'd expect people to be looking off screen at you know, to where they're reacting. I I don't know. There was just something off throughout a lot of the film. And here's my last issue. And this is another thing that was just a little bit off um, with more than a few shots in the movie. I'm not sure if it was green screen work or, you know, whatever process was used to combine the 3D and um, real world live action stuff. But several shots popped out to me. They They just looked off. And now it is time for a couple remaining comparisons to the original Space Jam, and in essence, which one was better? I think that is a loaded question, because as I've alluded to several times, this movie does put more thought into the story. It does address James as a father, which was a complaint of mine in the review of the first movie, and to that end, it does fix most issues that I had with the first. There's no weird arm extension for the final shot made. They made a lot of good choices in this movie. But does this story really need all of that? I'd say not so much. This is still the same story as the first movie, just different. And you know what? The first movie made enough sense to me, but it was a half hour shorter. If they had just cut this movie down to 90 minutes, it probably would have been really good. Instead, it's just okay. Both movies have their strengths, and they both have their weaknesses. It's sort of like they overcorrected the mistakes from the first movie in A New Legacy. Last up, score. The score and the soundtrack. 1996 Space Jam put this movie to shame. I am shocked there wasn't a larger emphasis on the soundtrack for the new movie. Just speechless. Speechless. 